Hello, animation fans, and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. You're listening to episode 28, and I am your host, Larry Vasquez. I'm flying solo on this one here, but we've got another great interviewee, interviewee, <laughs> one of our very own, Ken Fountain. Uh, he's been with us as an instructor since we basically opened up the doors for iAnimate, and um, I've actually had the opportunity to have him as an instructor, and so um, I'm really looking forward to spending a little time with him and having him actually share some of his knowledge in this podcast. He's just an amazing animator, great guy. And he's got some really, really good insight to acting. And so I think it's going to make for another really cool podcast. So without further ado, let's pull on Ken Fountain. Hey, how you doing? What's up, man? <laughs> Long time to see. Yeah, great to see you. You too. How you been? Oh, good, good, good. Jordan, get you taking some time out with us. It's always a great pleasure. And we get a lot of good feedback from people listening to the podcast and appreciate your guys' time. So thank you. Great. Thanks for thanks for having me. You bet. And also having you as an instructor previously, it's always a nice extra bonus for me to get in here and <laughs> <laughs> recap a little bit. I had uh, Ted T a couple weeks back, and uh, I've had Mike Walling on before. And then so I think the only other instructor I'm missing here is Jamal Bradley, so i got to get him on. So uh, oh. so the instructors that I've had. So. <laughs> he even has some cool stuff to talk about. I'd like to just sit and talk to Jamal for a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, first things first, I always like diving into somebody's kind of background. It's always interesting for me to kind of see how someone kind of came into animation. Each person's very unique and different. And uh, so I just kind of want to hear how maybe you got into animation and maybe what you were doing beforehand, what kind of prompted you to get into animation and uh, how you got to where you're at now. Yeah. Well, I kind of took a non-direct path. In fact, I mean, I clearly remember a time when I wasn't even considering being an animator. You know, I mean, I was a kid who drew a lot when I was younger and, you know, and, and sat around drawing superheroes at the kitchen table kind of stuff. And but, you know, I, I became a Dungeons and Dragons kid. I'm of that era. So <laughs> <laughs> I was the D&D dork when I was um, growing up. But, you know, I mean, that's got like that's so uh, artistic. You know, they had all the manuals and stuff. And my friends, and I would sit around and draw the monsters and. You know, and, and I watched cartoons, but I never really kind of put it together like that's what I want to do. What I, you know, I was just having fun playing this game. And what I really wanted to be was um, I wanted to be an actor when I was young and as I was coming up through school. So I was always on stage and I was always in plays and I sang. And, and when I got into high school, like we, our, our drama department for this really tiny little school was amazing. Like we had a great drama instructor who really challenged us to do like really heavy plays as you know, dramatic plays, as well as, um, you know, we would explore Shakespeare. We would even at one point we would do children's theater, which was really fun. We'd go around to the different schools and, and there was always a point in the year where we'd have to write our own play. You know, the group would write, write like a comedy review. And that was, it was such a challenge. So I learned so much. So that's what I was leaving school wanting to do. And somewhere in high school there, hooked up with a bunch of guys that asked me to join their band. And like, that was it. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, now I know what I want to do. And so... I'm up so on stage still, singing too. Oh, yeah. That was... I mean, come on. So, And we were writing our own songs too. We, I mean, we did other people's songs as well. But from the start, we were like, we want to be our own band. So we wrote. And so I left high school and was like... I don't really want to go to college. Like there's nothing that 
I could go to art school and spend and, and have a huge debt. And even then I was like, I don't want that. <clears throat> you know, I want to, I want to just get out there. And I was doing like things from the local Renaissance fair, which was a blast. I did five seasons of that and learned how to sword fight and improv and <laughs> dialects and juggling and, you know, all these things that just I picked up from the other actors and took classes on. But the band was still going on and the band soon after I left high school really started to do well. Um, we were playing really large clubs in the city and opening up for, at the time, really big acts like 10,000 Maniacs and Naked Raygun. And, I mean, like weird, they put us on these really bizarre shows because we didn't really fit anything. Um, and and so, so I put my whole focus into that and literally had almost my whole focus into that for 20 years. I mean, like, that was what I was doing and everything fed into that. And I learned how to do our own graphics promotion. So that's how I picked up digital design because I was an art student in school. So I figured, well, this is a good tangent and got that, got, got a little studio going and through working for the music scene in graphic design and playing, I don't know. Well, really what ended up happening is that my band at the time wanted to create a new website. It was a new band creating a new website. Flash was coming into play. And my saxophone player was like, hey, we should do a little animation at the beginning of the thing. And I was like, oh yeah, let me try it. And you know, did this little animation of our logo. And, and then he had a short film idea because that went so well. He's like, let's do this animated short film. And I was like, okay. And we started working on it. And within months, I was ready to drop everything. <laughs> I, like, I am done music. And literally, when I was about 35, I had like a final retiring show. I was done. I was gonna, I'm, I'm animating. This yeah. is it. And, and changed my graphic design business to an animation business. Was doing tons of free work for, for bands, like doing for labels, with bands on labels that want a promotion. Started working for advertising. Finally got into Calabash Animation, which was like my dream when I started. Uh, that's a, they're a really good animation studio in Chicago. And that I thought, okay, well, now I'm doing what I wanted to do and was taking the animation mentor course at the time and, uh, and kind of halfway through it, got a tap to come work at DreamWorks. I didn't expect it at all. And it was like, wow, okay, everything has changed. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that, that's kind of the story of that. So I've got to, and I think that all, I've always said all the tangents of all the, performance-based and visual-based things that I did up to that time, I think that's what fed into it. And that's what made me click with it so easily. And I don't know. So, so, so since that moment when Dave Burgess said, hey, you know, come on over, I was like, the life has been vastly different and awesome. <laughs> See, that's why I ask these questions because it's just, yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's, it's interesting to me on how, I mean, like you said, just, okay, hey, we're going to do a website and then we're going to do a promotion and then animation. And that's where it just kind of runs from. And so I just, I love hearing those streams on how things kind of flow from there. So, yeah. And I made it sound really fast. I mean, this was the course of right, know, right. over like five, six years of, of it just kind of slowly evolved into that. So it still took a lot of practice. It still took, right, me, right. you know, or it didn't come that easy. It's just those steps that you kind of look and go, well, I don't know, how did I get in this? And you kind of look back and you go, oh, yeah. you know, this is how it kind of came about. So. Never would have imagined. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty happy about it. So now, what was your first film over at DreamWorks? 
Uh, I started on Monsters vs. Aliens, which was a film that Dave was the supervising animator on. So he brought me and uh, my friend Aris DeVoe onto the crew. And, man, we just dove right in. I mean, we started at the beginning of production, but there was like a show West was going on that, that winter. And they were really itching to show off the stereoscopic this was going to be the first major studio stereoscopic, you know, uh, animated film, feature film. So they totally wanted to show this off. So we had to crunch all the way through Christmas getting tons of footage to be able to show. Um, and so there wasn't time to be a junior animator. It was kind of one of those, you know, I had you to jump in. in. Yeah. Now, you got a real killer shot in that film when I think yeah. it was the president's kind of doing his uh, music thing right before the alien yeah, <laughs> that was freaky. Like I, I'd seen the storyboards, and, you know, I saw, saw that we saw the story reel. <clears throat> that was a really funny part, obviously. And I'm like, man, whoever gets to animate, that's going to be funny. They're going to kill it. Um, and I forget who actually had the shot. I actually I just had a few shots led up to it. And um, the production manager came into my office. He's like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm doing OK. <laughs> and he says, so do you think if I asked you to pick up a few more shots, you'd be able to do them? I was like, you know, and I'm new. I'm not going to say no. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, because you, you play music, right? You like play instruments? I said, yeah, I do. He said, perfect. How about if you, and he showed me the, the shots, and I was like, seriously? I mean, this is like the big, this is the climax punchline of the scene. You trust me for that? He's like, you can do it. Go for it. It's like, okay. So... You know, I learned Axel F. On, <laughs> I just kind of figured out where it was on the piano and um, and animated it. And also I had been I had played keyboards in a band in one of my bands and had videotape of myself looking completely ridiculous, <laughs> swinging my you know, shoulder length hair around, you know, looking stupid. So <laughs> I grabbed that and I did some reference on my own and and was able to get a laugh in um, dailies and knew, I was like, okay, this is going to be cool. Like, <laughs> and when you go into a theater, like I went by myself to a, to the an opening week of the show. And when you sit there and watch like an entire theater erupt in laughter over some silly stuff you did, that's pretty cool. You want to stand up and be like, that was me. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was pretty, it was a pretty big responsibility to have gotten as my, it was literally my first production shots. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a big shot in the first film. So yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Now, how much of, cause you know, you mentioned he knew that you're a musician. Yeah. How much of your backgrounds do some of these studios know about? Is that something that they kind of, uh, in a bio or is it just kind of word of mouth? Because I can see where, you know, Michael Kiley, he's, uh, worked on Kung Fu Panda. He's got a martial arts background. Oh yeah. So Ted much, too. Yeah. Ted T as well. So how much of that is known or how does it get around or what? Um, I mean, I think it came out in just meeting people. I don't know how much they knew about it when they hired me. I mean, you know, your real is your real. Mm -hmm. You know, so, but after getting to know people, cause I, I, you know, like Dave, for example, like when I first got there, of course he, you know, we, we connected right away and we're both big music fans and he plays and we started jamming together and Chris Kirschbaum and all these guys, you know, you just kind of get to know people and it's, they start to learn who you are. So, so it was, it was, um, 
you know, that it was just something that they had in the back of their mind, like, oh, okay, well, this might be good. And, and that's the same thing when somebody would think of a shot that they would give to, to Mike or to give to Ted, or, you know, you, you consider who the person is and how much they're going to know about this, um, what they're animating. So, but I don't think it had tons to do with, with um, them bringing me on, but, but I'll say in subsequent interviews that I've done with other studios, it is something that comes up in conversation and I think supervisors dig it. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So just kind of get that interaction then. Yeah. Especially the performance part of it too, that you've been on stage and you've studied performance in some way. Like that's a big asset. Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned here kind of intrigued me here is you said you, you had to write your own plays. Yeah. One of the workshops that you've kind of been more, um, kind of set at now is the workshop six, which is dealing with sequence work. Yeah. How much of the writing your own plays deals with this workshop here that you primarily have taken under? I think tons of the stage experience in general, <clears throat> excuse me, has, has contributes to this whole class. Um, because what we study, I think, is something that maybe animators don't think about a lot, which is what would actors do if they were on stage together? You know, because it's, it's not only multi-shots, it's multi-characters that we work with. So it's the it's the, fun, the the fundamentals of ensemble performance that you have to think about. You have to think about graphically um, what's you know what these characters look like together. Does their does their does their graphic shape communicate their relationships? You know, does does their body language also communicate their relationships? Are they are they adequately giving focus to the character who needs focus at that time? You know, um, and then there's the cinematic stuff, like the timing of your cuts, like the, the action and flow through cuts, like screen space, you know, which aren't, aren't necessarily stage acting things. Those are more film things, but it's all things that you have to think about when you are a person actually on stage that's being looked at. You have to kind of, and the director helps you do this too, obviously, but you know, you have to be thinking about Am I contributing to this ensemble that's all on here to tell the story every single moment? You know, you're not upstaging the, your fellow actors. You're, you know, your audience is believing you and they're believing the situation. So, yeah, we get really, really deep into a lot of that. That's great. That's great. Now, you mentioned you had how many years in kind of the background for acting? Oh, gosh, I've been on stage since I was like in third grade. <laughs> <laughs> like, just I always was that kid that just got you know, asked to be the lead in something. And, and, and so I felt really lucky and got a lot of experience. And then as I was, you know, at through high school and after high school, being lucky enough to get training from people, you know, in improv and stuff like that was valuable. Now, what part of the stage do you like the most that kind of transitions into animation? Is it just the pure acting portion of it or is there a particular aspect of it? Um, two, I think there's two things. The simplicity element is the one thing. I think you really get to know how to keep what you're doing, um, simple and readable because an actor has to do that, especially on stage when you're really far away from your audience on a, you know, under a big proscenium on a big set, you know, you got to make sure that what you're doing is readable. In fact, when I was doing outdoor theater, that's even more like you got people that are hundreds of feet back, you know, that have to not only hear what you're saying, but they have to look at you and, and, and 
maybe even decide if they're interested in looking and watching what you're doing, you know, <laughs> but that kind of, you know, dovetails into the idea of getting response. Um, and I talk about this a lot when I'll speak or a class or whatever, that the joy of trying something out in front of tons of people and, and maybe even having it fail and is really great because you start to learn what, what reads. Um, and that's a, that's an advantage that you don't really have as an animator. Cause obviously what you're doing has like piecemeal response that you get from your supervisors and you get to response in dailies, but you really have to be, think beyond it and be able to see what the finished product's going to look like and be confident that it's going to get the laugh or the breathlessness or the gasp or whatever instantly. Huh. That's great. Yeah. I'd watched a, um, recent interview with Conan O'Brien and, um, Oh shoot, uh, Martin Short, and one of, <laughs> it was very funny actually. But one of the things they were talking about was kind of as a, a comedians honing their skills, and it was primarily around the dinner tables as kids. But it was that yeah. same kind of concept though that you had a crowd, and you just threw it out there. You you found out what stuck and what didn't. You know, ninety yeah. percent <laughs> of the time it doesn't stick. <laughs> I just watched a cool one like that. There's that, I think, Showtime or somebody has one with Louis C.K., Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld, and Ricky Gervais. I mean, like, there's are four people that you could learn a lot from. And they just sat around talking about this exact same thing, too, how they hone the rhythm of their language. And it may, I wanted to show this to my class. I'm like, see, it's the, there's so much in the rhythm of how you deliver something, even in your body movements, mm-hmm. you know, like, that make what you're doing impactful. Um, and, and comedians aren't just natural talents. They're also people who study the hell out of it. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. The opportunity to actually get an audience to do that. I can imagine. So you mentioned that, that kind of helped simplify things. You're wanting things to be very clear to your audiences on the stage and that's helped transition now as well. When you kind of start approaching a shot, right? Yeah. Stage acting is not natural movement. Stage acting is also caricature, caricature movement. So you're you're wanting to get story points across just like you do in animation. So you just you weed out all the stuff that is going to confuse your audience and you make sure that they see the stuff that tells the story. And that's all we're doing. Mm, that's great. Yeah. Okay, so from Monsters vs. Aliens you move to Shrek 4, right? Yeah. Okay. That was a great movie. I really liked it. That was a blast. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's where Jason kind of got a lot of you guys, because that's when we first really started iAnimate, yeah. right around that time. And that's where he kind of pulled a lot of you guys from that here. Yeah. Um, what was so much fun about that show? Oh, man. The whole production was so well run, for one, which is, you know, that's often the complaint, is that it's just maybe disorganized or the schedules are too tight or the, you know, the director doesn't get it, or your supervisors don't get it, whatever it is, none of these complaints are on this show. Our production was so well run, the director was made us pee our pants every time we sat in dailies. I mean, he was so funny, and such a nice guy, and so smart, and totally understanding, and really, like, we sat in the first day of dailies, and you don't get this this often, but the director, Mike Mitchell, took the time to say, okay, you guys are all filmmakers. I... I know this and I'm not going to ever treat you any differently. So we are, we are collaborating on everything you do. This is not my way or the highway. So I want you to feel comfortable bringing me your idea and, and pitching it and arguing it, whatever you want, because we want to make the best movie we can. And you can imagine starting a movie like that. You're like, 
this is going to be good. He starts on a great footing. And then all the suit, you know, I, I had Jason as my supervisor, which was really fortunate. And, you know, he's the same way. He is one of, I mean, the guy is all collaboration. I mean, I, I haven't worked with anybody that has a, the least amount of ego in what he does. It's just like, great, let's do it. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Yes, that's awesome. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, and so we had a great sequence team relationship. We had a great production schedule and a great director. And I wasn't even that excited to work on Shrek. I'm not a Shrek fan, you know. The movie was just a blast. That's you know? great. So I have such great memories of it. But you did get to work on a very, to me at least, what it seemed like a very, very fun character, Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was awesome. Yeah. He was awesome. Now, one of the things you talk about in your class is a lot of subtext. Yeah. What were some of the things that you looked for as far as getting into the character with him? Well, we had to invent him from scratch, obviously. He didn't exist in any of the, well, at least in this form, he didn't exist right. in the Shrek world. So one of the great, and again, to Mike Mitchell's credit, he did he did his homework on it and put together uh, film character examples of people that he thought um, that this character should kind of be like. He brought in Strangers on a Train. He brought, you know, what is that? Whatever happened to Baby Jane, that movie? Um and a couple of other ones and really said, picked out the qualities that he thought um, fit to get Rumble started. Then what was really kind of fun for us is that Jason's team was the first team. We got, our, we got the first sequence with him when he, when the rig came out of, you know, pre-production and we got to spend a lot of time. Jason actually sat us down at a table. We just went and got coffee and was like, okay, let's, let's chat about what you guys are thinking about doing for your shots and let's see if it matches what everybody else is thinking. Let's try to find him. And that was a huge bonus because it took us into the scene with a cons a even more consistent character. And then like the third layer of that is that as we started bringing in our ideas, um, the director would point, pick things out and be like, I love that. I want, that's how I want him to do this the whole time. And he would, that one, this wasn't just like off the cuff. He really meant it and he would stick to it the rest of the film. And, you know, uh, I had a couple of those moments and you know, everybody had a couple of those moments. And then, of course, then John Hill shows it, starts doing shots with him and pretty much, you know, defines two thirds of the character, does amazing <laughs> stuff. But it's great because that's what you do. You watch what everybody else is doing. And if the director's responding, and then you go, okay, well, that's my goalpost. You know, and, and um, that's that that was really the, that was fun getting to invent a whole character like that, being part of inventing a whole character. OK, yeah. One of my favorite shots, I think, and I think you did it, though, is when he walks in there and he's like, so if you think you're going to walk in here and be all do, 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 you know, with his yeah. finger, <laughs> with his fingers. <laughs> hey, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't even know. If, I don't know if the 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 reference um came through because what the director was trying to when he had Walt in the studio recording the the bit they they did it to make fun of um oh what was that YouTube clip of Batman um what's uh uh what's that guy's name what's the actor's name uh Christian Bale. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Christian Bale. Yeah. Remember that YouTube clip that was going around where he was yelling at the stagehand oh, yeah. guy? And that was what he said. He's like, if you think you're going to walk in here, just do do do. You know, they, were, <laughs> they, were just, they made a bit out of it. And, and, and I don't know if that ever ended up reading to the audience, but it was 
I've, I've, I was pretty happy to get to do that shot. You know what's kind of funny is I didn't take it that way, so I'm not sure if it yeah. read that way. But I think what it did is though it really solidified it just Rumpelstiltskin's attitude. That just oh yeah. So it really helped sell him, I think at least. It made him like an impetuous little you know. Teen, <laughs> <Yes>. you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. and then you jump to Megamind, which is actually one of my. All-time favorite movies. I just really love that movie. I thought, um, you know, there's certain times I, I think studios get actors just because of the name. Um, right. But I thought Will Ferrell just, he was Megamind, just like uh, yeah. Jack Black was uh, his Poe. It just yeah. fits. And so a lot of the humor and um, I think sincerity came across with Megamind. What were some yeah. of the things that you learned from that show? Tons. I love that movie, too. And, and the styles that we got, that movie spanned like Warner Brothers slapstick cartoon to like the most dramatic, you know, like Cameron Fielding had like that, you know, the, cla- the, 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 just that single face shot where yeah. he swallows, you know, I mean, there's like that super subtle to the super cartoony. Um, and that was a pleasure because there were people, you know, I came in kind of a third of the way into the production, maybe even half, halfway in. Um, and so there, there have been tons of those really broad shots and I got to, um, again, another example of amazing leadership, Jason Schleifer, who was the, the, the supervising, you know, the Hoka, the head of character animation on that show sat every single animator down and was like, what do you want to do? What, what is it that, what, if you come to the end of this production, what do you want to have gained? And you know, do you, he said, you, it could be, you want to head DreamWorks by the end of it, or you could just want to, you know, get a race, you know, whatever. It's like, I don't care what it is. And I was like, I want to, anim- I want to be able to animate like this sequence. I pulled up the, the Spider sequence. Like if I can get better at that, then I am fine with what, you know, that, that I will be happy for the rest of my life. And, and he helped. I mean, he was like, okay, I got that. It's in the back of my mind. So he did his best to kind of help me get some stuff that would push that in, in mind. So that being able to not only to have somebody helping you grow as an animator, you know, and still get to work on a movie that was hysterically funny and lots of physical challenges, you know, like flight and, you know, <laughs> like big action punching scenes and all that um, was just a blast. And then the, the, the cherry on top was that Tom McGrath, the director is awesome just bar none that i mean mike mitchell was hysterical you know he was fun in his own way and tom was fun in his own way just the man's brain is huge inside of there and he you'd sit just as a quick story like we would sit at dailies and this was like people warned me of this before i started on the thing they're like be careful because dailies are tough because tom doesn't talk and i'm like talk and he does you you'd play your shot and he'd loop it like 10 12 15 and wouldn't say a word and you'd just be sitting there you know peeing yourself oh my god you know and everybody's waiting for him to say something so so you know they wouldn't come out and laugh because what if he hates it you know so, and then and then he turned to you and he would look you right in the eye and all of a sudden turn on and just start collaborating with you about it or laughing or whatever he's going to do and really had amazing insight into the character and an ability to explain to you what he wanted and get up and act it and crack you up. And, you know, and we would court all these dailies. So, you know, you get to watch him acting like a fool in daily. It was awesome. And 
I don't know. I just I, I liked him so much by the end of the show and had such respect for him that it made it that much better. And I, maybe this is like a key that that's what helps is that if when your director is really good, that makes all the difference. That's what it sounds like. We had uh, Jason and Mike Walling on a podcast and they worked on Cruise together. And they mentioned that, that it was such a great experience, but I think a large part had to do with the director as well. Yeah, Chris Sanders. Chris Sanders, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I think that just seems to be kind of a theme that I'm hearing from you guys there. Um, the other thing, though, that you mentioned in this one as well as in Shrek 4 was it seemed like you had some some ownership, so to speak. You know, you mentioned with Shrek 4, he was, hey, this is not my way or the highway. I want to hear you guys' feedback. And it seemed like you, you kind of had some ownership kind of moving into it. And it seems the same thing with, with Megamind in regards to Jason. How do you pronounce his last name? Schleifer. Schleifer. Yeah. And it seemed like it was the same kind of thing. Okay, what can I help you own in this, whether it be, yeah. like you said. So that seems to be kind of a, a nice theme as well in regards to making a production that you look back and you go, oh, I had a blast on that one. Right. It is because that's when you, when you bring out the best in the people that are – anything animating for you lighting for you you know character design whatever um obviously you get the best results you know so it wasn't like they were pigeonholing anybody you know i felt for a while that i was the dance guy (laughs) (laughs) after the president it was like oh well there's a dance scene in shrek we'll do that oh there's a dr cockroach dance scene at the end (laughs) so (laughs) getting all the dance sequences you know like and then i got the rumple dance in the credits you know so that was kind of funny but at the same time you know like i i think my comedy chops were coming through character understanding stuff like that that i think yeah i I felt like i was getting some ownership of what i was working on sure were there uh what were some favorite shots that you'd worked on for shrek and uh megamind oh um i had i i don't know i had um i mean doing the there was two different angles to to shrek stuff like i really loved doing the weird comedy I would actually say this about everything that I worked on. I felt like I got depended on if there was a joke that was odd and the director really loved it. And it was like, he didn't want to cut it because he loved it and nobody was making it. Um, I got to, I got to do it. Like for instance, um, the do to do shot, like the, um, like the, the cats me wow joke in monsters versus aliens. <laughs> You know, like there was another shot of Monsters vs. Aliens that Conrad, the director, loved and he didn't want to cut it when Derek is going, um, I never, ever, 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 ever thought about that. The producers didn't like it, you know, and he was like, just let's try it here. Do you want to try it? I said, I'll try it. Let's try it. We can do it. And we got it sold, you know, so it stayed. <laughs> and um, the, the, the Puss in Boots um, trying to lick himself. You know, he was fat and he's trying to clean himself and he couldn't. Like, that's just weird. I and mean, then in boards, when we watched that in the storyboards, everybody was like, oh, blah. So just groaning. And it was destined for the cutting room floor, you know. And Mike was like, nah, come on, let's try it. We can do it. So, and I kind of kept getting all those, like, like Hail Mary pass jokes, you know. Give it to Ken, he'll save it. Yeah, so I think those are always my favorite because they were the risky ones. And it was up, and, and it was. I was kind of the make or break on them. If they didn't work, they, they probably would have been cut, you know. So, did you feel any pressure with that, or was it like, hey, this is going to get cut if I don't? What's the harm? Um, I didn't want it to get cut. 
it was pressure, but actually I, I would always see them in boards and be like, I want that. I want that shot. I can do that one. And, and, and if I ended up getting it, I'd be like, yes. <laughs> so it was, it was more like, a, I don't know. I, I always kind of figured I could do the, the oddball ones. There you so. go. And that's kind of yeah. funny because certain people are drawn to, you know, certain types, but yeah, I think probably with your background in uh, theater and not, and knowing how to really push that timing, um, yeah. I'm sure that's why they're, where that okay. came out for those. I may have actually like really petitioned Jason to give me that entire Puss in Boots licking himself sequence. <laughs> like I was like, come on, I can, I can do that. <laughs> I don't know. It's a lot of shots. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, now that was uh, Monster vs. Alien, Shrek Four, and Mega One. Those are three movies that you worked on with Jason Ryan, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, same was, team was, or just same films? Same team. Okay. I mean, he was my supervisor on all. Although, I mean, on Monsters, it was such an erratic schedule. We we bounced between supervisors, whatever sequence we were on. But in Shrek and Mega Mind, I was on his sequence team solidly. Um, he did this, uh, uh, just a quick story, he did this great thing, and he may have told you about this in Megamind, where he got us all together. Tom was really responding to video reference. It was a kind of an odd dynamic. This is the first time I'd ever seen animators actually bring their video reference into dailies, and because Tom was responding to him, He'd be really be able to read it and pick out things and say, I want that, 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 and that. So Jason had this idea. He's like, let's record. We had this sequence in in uh, Titan's apartment, you know, between where they were arguing. And he's like, I want to shoot this whole thing live action mm. and edit it and show Tom the edited live action version and get our notes from that. And there, you know, half of us were like, all right. And the other half were like, you know, <laughs> I don't like doing video around. And Jason rallied the troops and got everybody in there. And, and everybody was in the room at the same time, mostly. So we could give each other notes and laugh and respond, you know, like getting the response. And Jason would, you know, give directorial notes kind of. And so, and then Ben Rush and I sat down and edited the whole thing in an afternoon and we showed it and it paid off and it was a, and we got a really good sequence out of it. So, um, and I think you can only get that from having a really good relationship with your supervisor after a long time. You know, I think that that helped. That's great. Now, um, do you have any notes for shooting reference? I know, like you mentioned, that was a great uh, point there where you have some people going, going, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm not real comfortable here. Um, you have in your background in acting, I'm sure that's a little bit easier for you kind of jumping up in front of a camera or something. But do you have any notes or tips or tricks that you would say, hey, when you go into the reference room, this is what I think you should be doing, you know? Yeah. There's, um, I, in regards to like the people, like I, I know lots of people that don't shoot video reference. Mm -hmm. That's, they do, they're awesome. I mean, that, it doesn't make or break your animation by any means. It's all up to your own brain. But, but the key is, is that it is just reference. I think sometimes, there's too much focus on getting the right shot on camera in your video reference so that you can animate it. And if you don't get it, then somebody else will do it for you or your supervisor will do it. And, or, you know, and it's all about getting the right reference first. And I'm not, I don't personally believe in that because I know a lot of people that don't like getting in front of the camera and they don't feel comfortable with it. Um, but what, what I do think getting in front of the camera helps is 
one, it's, you get to feel it in your own body and you can often put on like clothing or put weights on your body or, you know, props that give you the feel of what that feels like. So that helps. And then the other side of it, if you think your video reference sucks, you might still know what you intended to do. So at least you can record something and look at it and go, yeah, that's awful. But I know what I wanted to do. <laughs> so, so at least it gives you notes. It's like taking notes. Uh, and I always thumbnail before I go in. So at least I have an idea of what I'm trying to want to shoot for. Um, and I still improv, but, um, but to me, it's, it's just note taking. It's not, it's not literally the, the skeleton of your animation. Mm -hmm. It's just the reference when you need to go back to what I, your ideas, you start forgetting your ideas and getting lost. You can go back to that and go, all oh, right, 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 right. That's what I wanted to do. Or yeah, that's what that mechanics looks like. Got it. This is why it doesn't work. So, uh, so that's, that's all. That's what I tell my students. And that's how I work is like, don't, don't pound your brain trying to, you know, saying I'm a terrible actor. You know, I shot like 50,000 takes and here's 70 of them for you to watch. It's a full you length movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, just don't, don't sweat it that hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's, let's transition a little bit then to your process. When you get a shot, what do you, you mentioned a little bit of thumbnailing. Yeah. Give us kind of a broad picture if you don't mind. You get a shot. What do you? How do you approach it? Um, I still thumbnail. Um, I do, and I've got you know now I've got now I work in Toon Boom a lot because of because of Crackerbox and stuff. So I'll actually kind of semi animate it like Jason does a little bit now, just to get the idea. Um, but even if I just do thumbnails, I'll even draw over my own drawings, so just messy <clears throat> layered drawings, just so I can get an idea of graphically how I want a shot to look and how much power and cartooniness or focus in the eyes or whatever. Um, but at least I have an idea so that I can go in and then get in front of the camera and act it out. Um, so those two steps to me are still key. Um, and like I said, I don't, I don't, I think I overact in front of the camera. I, and, and that's so, I don't do what I do in front of the camera because I watch it and I go, you look like an idiot. But I know what I wanted to do. So, so I'll tone it down or, you know, streamline it or simplify it and pick out literally the whatever i think the story is supposed to be i pick out those freeze frame moments that i think tell it and i remember my friend steve cunningham used to do this he used to pull out still frames from his video and then paste them all over his, his computer screen you know desktop and just leave them there and not really go back to his reference that was that was a starting point and i learned a lot from that i was like that's a really good idea so I kind of do that for myself now too, where I just take the key kind of tent pole moments in the video and then I use those to begin posing out story poses in, in Maya or, or wherever um, and, and start from there. Then I have this weird jump off point because <clears throat> I still don't go back to reference. I, 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 I like to figure out my breakdowns in my brain. Like, cause with the story poses, you get your timing, you know, that's where you go. Okay. I want to get to this moment faster and I want to wait for a while and then get to these three moments really quickly and then a pause and then maybe the climax. Um, so I figure out my timing and I figure out what kind of force is supposed to happen between those. If it's two poses that are drastically different that change in a short amount of time, 
my breakdowns have to sh describe that force, you know? So, so I kind of, I, I, I improvise those breakdowns a lot more than I used to. Um, if, if I keep watching it and I go, ah, it's, it's missing something. I'll go back to my reference and go, what's the real mechanics on that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then go back to the breakdown poses and start, you know, adjusting it to match that. But I keep trying to stay interpretive. And I, I think I get more and more like that as I, as I keep working, because now I'm doing even more cartoony stuff these days too. So, um, so I, I like to stay as interpretive as possible. Um, and I don't, and, and you still have to worry about things like overlapping action and stuff to, to make sure you're not pose to posey, um, and really worry about kind of the micro beats in there as well too, the little thought beats that go on in the eyes and the micro expressions and stuff. But I just start to layer that on as I'm building breakdown poses. Um, and that gets me to my final product a lot more efficiently than I used to. I used to kind of stick more to reference and kind of work on threes and, you know, and that just, I kind of get lost in the spaghetti of the curves. This kind of sounds like it gives you your pose to pose benefits of knowing where you're going, but also that straight ahead of giving you that, that freedom to kind of just animate. And, and uh, I don't want to say explore because you already have your goalposts there, but that freedom to, to not be so constrained and kind of just allow it, that creativity to flow. Yeah. And I think it becomes less boring. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it becomes less, less real life and more animation. Right. That's kind of just how I see animation. It should be, there's a lot of things that happen at 24 frames per second with a character with a big head, you know, or something that, <laughs> that doesn't happen in real life. So you've got to figure that out based on, physics that you know and 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 animation theories and all that so i i i, I maybe it's just comfort of experience but i feel more comfortable with my interpretive abilities these days than i have in the past and i think that comes through in my workflow that's cool i think yeah. the other thing i noticed here too because for myself when I, I shot reference and trying to extrapolate that or at least going having it in the background yeah, I had a very tough time finding out where things began and ended, if that makes right. sense. It just it looked like it was just all one motion to me. So I, I would I would lose some of that here with your approach here. It sounds like it's um, like I said, it kind of takes some of that guesswork out of the way. I, these are just the things I'm trying to hit here and then move it away. You don't use it going back to your reference. You're just now yeah. looking at it as animation. Now, how am I going to get from A to B now? and then B to C and then yeah. C to D. And there's still that people still ask and it's still, you know, it's a legitimate question. Like how, but how do I find those moments in my reference? Mm -hmm. You know, like, and I, you know, I'll just play it at slow speed or scrub through it at slow speed. And you do, you almost want to stop at that frame that you go right there. All the ingredients have just hit my facial expression, my body language, you know, the, whatever the force, the balance, all of it just so, so I'm going to, I'm going to strip away everything else that's around it and magnify that moment in my animation. And this is, this is caricaturing, you know, that's where that, you know, that's what you do when you do people's faces, you know, you just go, well, I'm noticing that they have a curly little mouth and they have a big nose or whatever, you know, and you just <laughs> magnify those things and leave out everything else. So yeah, I, I, that's, that's still, I think, a, a sensitivity you, you need to get used to, but that's the power, your power of observation. If you can do that when you're just out in the real world watching people, you know, you get better at that in the real world, then you get better at that when you watch yourself making a fool out of yourself. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's great. Okay, now uh, let's transition a little bit. You mentioned Crackerbox. That's your studio. Yeah, it's well, it's not a studio per se, but it's 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 my project right now. Yeah, <clears throat> it's um. Oh no, I was just gonna say it's 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 really it's it's a group of people. It's not just me, but um, but yeah, I, I can the, to give you the little story of it if you want. <laughs> no, absolutely. Because basically, at one point, you left DreamWorks to now be freelance. Yeah, I was uh, made that decision to to not renew the contract, and I was gonna because you know half of me was just a little fatigued, but the other half I was ready to kind of take even more ownership of some things I was doing. And before I came to feature, my plan was to do this: was to create animation for educational stuff, and um, you know, like Schoolhouse Rock kind of stuff. So you can't, and one thing I learned that I didn't know before I was really in the thick of it was that you just can't do animation by yourself. <laughs> and I'm still learning that. I'm still trying to figure that. But, you know, you need, it takes a team of people doing a lot of stuff. Um, and so I immediately called some friends and I was like, okay, I'm leaving DreamWorks. I want to do this thing. And, and, and every, all the people that I called were, immediately interested, no questions asked. They were like, yep, want to do it. And the people I called were, you know, my friend Brian, who's a brilliant designer, you know, um, and motion graphics designer and, and interface designer. My friend Bill, who's a brilliant coder. My friend Scott, who is like the most, the most brilliant producer I know. I mean, and he's a friend, musician. I used to play with them a lot. So because I, we wanted it to be musical and we had decided we wanted it to be technological, we wanted it to be, a, you know, a tablet-based kind of an interactive thing. So, but what that what happens is then I ended up being the only animator again. So, <laughs> so it took a really long time to produce this first thing, which was the, the GeoMe, Geo-Me. project, the app, um, w- because what it started off is just like a six, you know, a three-minute song with some animation to it that then we could kind of make interactive. I, I was like, but it's global. So I can interview all my friends and I can make individual stories about them. And that became this multiverse song that, so now it's 12 minutes of animation that I'm doing in my free time and, and you know, 2d. So it's a little more time intensive. And so I had to really simplify the process and simplify the style and, but it, you know, we got it. We brought it to a finish with, with, and, and, you know, with the four of us, um, and and we're really stoked because it's out there and people are playing it and and writing us about it and having, you know, and writing great reviews. So we're like stoked. When, but it it didn't make a dime of money. <laughs> so, so of course, you know, after the 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 the, the glow kind of fades. And go to the guys, you know, I go back up to Chicago and just gather everybody together. And I'm like, you know, I'd understand if nobody wants to do this anymore because, you know, it's not it's not going to make us any money. And it's not going to. I said, I have ideas of how I want to streamline it going in the future. It's OK. And and they each and every one of them unanimously turned and said, no, this is this is one of the coolest things I've ever done. Let's do it. Let's do more. So we're going to do more this year. So so it's now at least an ongoing project. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm pretty stoked. And right now, it's just for the iPad. Right now, that one's just for the iPad. What we've decided to do is that we're just going to do animated songs at first, and not put all that effort into the app part of it until we can get kind of like a catalog of 
anim animated educational songs. And if there's ones that people respond to more than others, then we'll be like, oh, okay, cool. Let's make something out of that. Right on. Um, so it's a little more streamlined, but it's still animated, musical, and a ton of fun. I mean, it's so free and <laughs> silly and fun. So if you got an iPad, go check out Geomi. Can you spell it for us and how they can find it? Oh, yeah, it's G-E-O-M-E. All right. With an exclamation point. Geomi. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I got it on our iPad. The kids loved it. And so I think it's a really cool app to check out and support your uh, fellow freelance animator. Sure. There. They can hear me singing at the same time. There you go. <laughs> um, what are you enjoying about freelancing? I mean, you've obviously had a great career in the full feature, but one of the things I think people can kind of miss is it kind of seems like feature is the holy grail, but I think there's a lot of things that can kind of be missed. We, I don't know if we talked about it in one of the podcasts, but we also talked about even independent games and things of that nature where you yeah. need animation. There's so many areas that animation is needed. So what are one of the things that you're really enjoying about in your area right now? Um, just greater, it's having a larger role in the in the final product, which I think is kind of the obvious answer, but but it's true because I mean, feature is the holy grail for a lot of reasons. I mean, you you know, not only are you contributing to something that millions and millions of people are going to see around the globe and and remember and whatever, but but you're also learning how the process works because this is the, the largest way it's done you know and you get to see all the departments and really the huge responsibility creating a, even a short film is you know um and and the power of collaboration i learned this when i was in bands you know that you could sit in your basement and you can write tunes all day but until you bring it into rehearsal and everybody jams on it it's it's it becomes way better so that's the same thing in film. So, you, so I think I learned a ton of that kind of stuff being in feature. But there's also the side of it that you are just a tiny, tiny little piece, you know. And you may come out of you know five years worth of working and have five minutes worth of stuff, you know. <laughs> and that's kind of weird, <laughs> but but it's cool. I mean, I'm proud of it. But but at a certain point, like I said, I think I got fatigued a little bit because. It was so focused. That's what I wanted. Like I, I was like, I just want the opportunity to focus on one thing. And then when I'm focusing on one thing, I'm like, I just want the opportunity to not have to focus on one thing. <laughs> <laughs> and and so getting back into working independently and being kind of higher being a higher gun is cool because the people who are hiring you depend on you to do make some more make more decisions and and express your opinion about the final outcome that much more. And and then in the stuff I'm doing, like I'm 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 the only animator on usually, so the entire thing is is my I can say I animated that whole thing, um, and that's rewarding. And so th so it's you know it's it's a grass is always greener scenario, but but for now I'm finding this grass a little greener because I like I like being involved from the concept stage. So very cool. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I wanted to talk about was some of the training you've produced in the past, but you also mentioned you got something coming out here in the next couple of weeks, or maybe, maybe by the time this is out, probably by, uh, yeah, it might be out by then. Might be. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, we're in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it that kind of made you want to jump into a little bit of tutorial-based training? Um, just Jason giving me the opportunity to teach, I think, opened up. I mean, it was a really big light bulb moment because I didn't, 
I had not tried to teach animation before. Um, I've taught, you know, I've, like friends of mine, when I was a, in graphic design, it would, you know, I'd give people classes in Photoshop and Illustrator. And so I knew I knew how to communicate stuff, but I was like, oh, wow, how do you teach animation? I didn't, so I had to figure it out as, as much as possible. And, but I figured it out and I figured out that, wait a minute, I think I actually figured out a pretty good way of explaining some things. Mm -hmm. Um, not everything, but some things. And so I thought, well, I want to, you know, Jason tutorials were such a huge hit. I mean, those are awesome. And he, he's amazing at explaining things. <laughs> he's a born teacher. So I was inspired by that. I was like, I could, and actually he was encouraging us a little bit. He's like, why don't you guys try these things too? I mean, that's Jason's nature. Like, hey, I'm doing this really cool thing. You guys should do it too. Let's get you started. I mean, he was really... You know, uh, stories about before the school started, and that he he was great with that. So anyway, he with his encouragement and with with his inspiration on that that side of it, I was like, I'm gonna give it a try, and um, it came together. The first one came together, albeit it was really really long. You know, I, I have, as you can see, I have a hard time coming up with concise ideas, <laughs> but he he, but but if, but I got, I feel like I got it, and and. Once the first one was well received and people said you really explain these things really well, I thought, well, okay, this must be must have hit on something. Um, I want to do some more because this is really fun. And all the other the blogs that were out then of other animators, I'm like, this is this is how it works. Mm -hmm. Like you just kind of take what you have and just blah, and 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 lay it back out there in, in the way that you've interpreted it. And then somebody else is going to pick that up and go, that's awesome. And then hopefully that'll continue on. Yeah, yeah. What is the training about for this one coming up? Ah, so cartoony stuff. Ooh, nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That was, people have been requesting like what, and that was the biggest request of what probably people wanted to see next is kind of more cartoony style stuff. And since I've been getting to really dive into that with the freelance jobs I've been working on, um, I just wanted to kind of share what, my explorations have discovered. I think I think I've nailed, come up with a process that has been working for me. So um, it's this this one's just about pushing it. It's 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 about coming up with pushing movement and poses to kind of really really exaggerate um, in a cartoony style while still adhering to something believable and that connects with your audience. Um, but it's really mostly about. The, the style, you know, what, what are those, what are those, the process I go through to, to get it to look like that. That's great. Yeah. What are you enjoying teaching here at IANMATE? Uh, all of it. I like workshop six a lot um, because it's so comprehensive um, because I, I have no choice but to talk about everything from, yeah. from basic foundational mechanics all the way through nuanced acting and cinema, cinema studies, you know, yeah. um, and those are all things that that I've had, um, you know, I've taken classes in and had experience in and learned. It was another thing from feature film studios. You sit in dailies every day. The things the, the things you learn just about film is awesome. Mm. So it's nice to be able to kind of give that back in a way, like. And, and I'll bring up experiences of different shots and different movies too. But um, so I like six a lot. I think just being able to talk about stuff that people maybe haven't thought of before 
that's the part like at the end of a lecture when somebody's like i totally never thought of that before <laughs> see it in the little text box or they'll say it they're like excellent that's exactly <laughs> it hopefully, hopefully i'm not just uh, rambling yeah stuff. yeah you dig in the uh, the live interactive feedback with the students a lot that man that changed everything you know because like i said i've been through other programs and you can't you you have to ask questions. I love asking questions. And my biggest, this is what I use it for the most, is because if you're watching an animator's scene and you're making a note on something based on your own interpretation of it, um, you could be totally off of what their intention is. So I make it a point in live interactions to, to stop and say, okay, wait a minute, before I say this, what is it that you think the character's thinking at this moment and what are they trying to display to who they're talking to? Now that's like, I ask that question a lot and, and, it, and, and I forgot about that. That was something I had to figure out. And having the live um, interaction actually taught me that because the students would start being like, well, wait, 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 you know, I'd be giving a note, they'd be like, yeah, but, uh, you know, it's like, oh, right, of course, yeah. What is, what are you wanting to do so that I can help you do what you want to do? Because who cares what I think this move should look like if it's not really what you're intending? Now you know? all your notes are based upon uh, a foundation of what they're wanting to achieve. Yeah, and that's the same way a supervisor would work at a studio. And so in a school situation, it should be as close to a supervisor-animator relationship as it can be. So, yeah, I mean... I don't know how we could do it without being live. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, Wham! World Animation Master Classes that should be going yeah. on. And when is the date for that? It's May, I think the 23rd through the 25th. Okay. And that's in? In Birmingham. All right. UK. All right. We've got you and Jason and a bunch of other uh, yeah. uh, animators. Yeah. And Chris Rocher and, and Ed Hooks. And, yeah. Eamon Butler. I mean, it's that's a serious roster he pulled together. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, feel like I'm just hanging out with you know somebody lit me up on the on the mountain. Um, but I think what's cool about I, I, I'm not the pressure's not that great because uh, Jason and I are doing the class together. Oh, okay. How's that? How's that working? I know the 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 I don't know how the idea came about, but it has ended up that way and. Both of us kind of embraced it immediately. I think we both were like, actually, that's a pretty cool idea because guess what? Here's what we could do. And we started talking about how we started talking about that Megamind experience when we uh, shot the thing and collaborating on your video reference. So we're, that's what we're going to do. We're going to like, you know, take, take an acting problem and, and try to solve it in all of the steps that he and I use thumbnailing and then well, how do we approach going in front of the camera and like actually collaborate live that's which, awesome that's gonna be a blast <laughs> you know and and how we have you know we, we will probably when it comes down to sitting down and animating it um we may like go dueling pianos and like animate the same shot at the same time and see how it goes or like you know we may take the helm and the other one's over the shoulder and, or somebody's talking you know getting questions from the audience it's just going to be so like dynamic and ah, we both think it's going to be a blast. Yeah, that's great. Cause one of the things when I wanted to start doing these podcasts is I wanted to kind of keep it more like what we're doing now where it's kind of more of one-on-one. -on -one. Um, yeah. I think you can get a little focused on these and that's why I appreciate it. But there was something when I started adding every once in a while, multiple guests 
And there's a feedback that you get as well that you don't get on the other end, you know? Oh, yeah. And so I can see we're having that variety of either a single guest where you can kind of get more focused or having more that kind of gives you that ability to ping off one another that brings okay. out something different that you might not have thought about. It's synergistic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I can see where that's going to be a lot of fun, man. It is. I think he and I are going to end up asking each other lots of questions that we didn't expect to ask, you know? So. And- and that's one of the things I think we need to get across to some of our listeners who maybe are still kind of in the student stage. You know, who was I talking with Ted uh, a couple podcasts back? You know, he's talking about how, you know, he still struggles through some of the process, you know, or something right here where you're saying, hey, I'm going to ask questions from Jason. There, I, I think there was a level, at least for myself, looking at you guys and thinking, man, they've got it. They've, they've arrived and, you know, <laughs> not at all, <laughs> but I know there's an aspect where you guys are going, no, I'm still, I love learning. And I love growing. And I, that's why I ask, you know, this artist, this question or whatever. And so I think there's just a misconception amongst students that you guys still are loving to learn and still growing and, and pulling it from other artists, you know, the one, um, irony of, of animation is that it's, slow so experience in animation doesn't really add up to tons <laughs> I mean, it does you know obviously you know somebody like ted who's been working for 20 years you know whatever he's i mean i count that in you know relative to me i look at that and i go oh my god he's got tons of experience but even so the challenge each challenge with each shot is and it is still an individual challenge because it's probably something you've never animated before mm-hmm. I don't think any animator gets to the point where they say, I've animated everything and now I can do it all. (laughs) Every shot is something that you go, oh, wow. Okay. That's kind of like something I've done, but this is different, you know, so let me think this through. And that's that's the cool part of it, that you have a job that lets you analyze things, you know, and come up with solutions for them. I mean, that's so... That still happens, and I think every animator would say that. I'm the cliche of "I'm still learning" is a cliche because it's true. True, right? <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> and I think I don't know about I can't speak for everybody, but I tell my students there's always still that point in the middle of every shot when you're like cleaning up those splines and getting ready to kind of bring it home, and you're looking at it going, "I suck! <laughs> I suck! I can't animate!" You know, it still happens. So. You know, I, it, it, it's, I, I hope that that <laughs> makes people feel better. You know, it's kind of funny because I thought about that afterwards. I thought, well, man, maybe that doesn't make people feel better. Like I'm never going to, no. it's never going to be easy. But you know what, though? It is. Oh, it's going to be hell. <laughs> there is something that's nice about that because you feel like you're going, okay, I'm not alone on this. I'm not, It's not just me, you know? And it does get incrementally better. I'm not saying right, that, no. you will continue to suck. But because every new shot is a new problem you will always have that moment that you doubt your own abilities. Mm-hmm. So get pushed past it and success. Yeah. And then you go to the next shot and kind of do the same right. thing. Huh? <laughs> Put one more triumph under your belt, which is great. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Ken, man, I really do appreciate your time. This has been a great podcast. It was awesome. I did not Thanks. have to prepare any notes for this one here. I already, I kind of felt like you were going to do a great <laughs> job and run with it. And uh, I think that succeeded. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for uh, for having me, man. And it was good to see you. You too. Thank you very much for your time. Very often anymore. I know. I have to jump in with some of your lectures every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> you can join in. You can you can add your your two cents. All right. 
<laughs> cool, dude. Thanks, Ken. Take care, bud. All right, man.